dude, I, I finally get it. Bro. 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 That was the sound of John Cena and Matt Riddle kicking off WWE Raw this week in the opening segment. And man, it was an eventful week in the world of professional wrestling. And it seems like a good week to really focus on what are some of the top angles, some of the top storylines taking place in wrestling. So I put together a big list of them and I thought, all right, let's Let's run down the top 10 storylines in professional wrestling right now. I couldn't do it. I couldn't limit it to 10. I've got 14, and I'm probably leaving some out on that list as well. But that's what we're going to run down on today's show, the top 14 angles taking place in the world of professional wrestling. But before we get to that, I just do want to check in with the television ratings that came in for the top shows this week. And I know on last week's show, I said we'd only check in on the ratings like once a month. Once a month just to see if there's any trends developing or something that's that's relevant. Eh, we're going to check back in with the ratings this week because there was a trend that developed this week. The ratings for all shows across the board are up. Now, there's, you can come up with a bunch of different reasons for why that might be. The return of live crowds, the end of the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs. Uh, we're sort of in that pre-Olympic hub, so the Olympics aren't taking anything away. Anyway, let's take a look at the ratings that came in, starting with SmackDown. And this is last Friday's SmackDown, not, not the SmackDown from last night. The numbers aren't in on that, but... So SmackDown last week from the Toyota Center in Houston. So this was the go-home show for Money in the Bank. And we actually talked a bit about what happened on the show last week, but we can talk about the ratings this week since they're in. So they got, in total viewers, 2,310,000. They tend to hover around the 1.9 to 2 million mark. Their average over the last 10 weeks is just under 2 million. So 2.3 million viewers. That's the highest amount of viewers they, they've gotten in a long time. They got a 0.66 in the 18 to 49 demo. If you're not familiar, advertisers tend to look at how many viewers are aged between 18 and 49. That's, that's their key demographic that they value the most. So when you get ratings these days, you tend to get total viewers and then the rating the show got in the 18 to 49 demographic. So SmackDown this week, 2.3 mil, 0.66 in the key demographic. That's up from just under 2 million last week and a 0.40 in the key demo. So good week for SmackDown. Now, obviously, they're back out on the road. They had a big show. It was Bianca Belair versus Carmella. I mean, we got that again this week, but they had it 
the previous week as well. Um, so fans were obviously they were they were tuning in to to see the show. SmackDown does really well. So then moving into Monday Night Raw, Monday Night Raw. Do they still call it Monday Night Raw or is it just Raw? I think it's just Raw. Anyway, I'm going to call it Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw <laughs> did, went like way up. They did 1.923, or so like 1,923,000 viewers and a 0. 0.57 in the 18 to 49 demographic. That's way up from what they normally do. They had been kicking around the like 1.7 million range for the last couple of months and sort of a high high 40s in the key demographic. So they're up just under 2 million and a 0.57 in the key demographic. So Raw was way up this week. And actually we should do NXT because I keep forgetting NXT airs on Tuesday now. Uh, NXT was up a, a little bit. They've done the best that they've done in like 10 weeks. They had 709,000 and a 0.2 in the key demographic. And that's up generally, like generally they're in the high teens for the key demographic. And they had been around 700,000 before. Like 700,000 is sort of where they, they kick around at. So NXT maybe wasn't up as much as the other two, but... They had a little incident with their NXT champion appearing on Raw this week. We'll get more into that. And then AEW Dynamite. They were back up over a million viewers for the second week in a row. They did 1,148,000 1, viewers and a .44 in the key demographic. Um, and that's Now, they had been, like, throughout June, they had been moved. They'd had their time slot moved because of the NBA playoffs. That really, that took their ratings down quite a bit. Uh, but now they are, they are kicking back up over the million mark. And now in the mid fours, the mid forties for the key demographics. So you can see some space is developing between the shows, right? Like SmackDown is clearly the top show. SmackDown, more wrestling fans in the United States, but that's where the the bulk of the, the money is coming from. Um, SmackDown is is the the top show. Raw is clearly the second show. AEW Dynamite is clearly the third show. NXT clearly the fourth show. And I don't have the ratings in front of me for Impact, but they tend to do just over a hundred thousand, something around that. So there they are. I mean, they are on a, a network that doesn't get as much exposure, so that plays into it too. But uh, play well plays into it very heavily as well. Um, so impact very clearly below the other shows. There, I every single one of the big shows was up this week. Raw was up, SmackDown was up, NXT was up, AEW was up. It's the return of live fans, possibly the less competition from playoff sports, but. Good week for professional wrestling and the television ratings. So before we get to the 14 top angles in professional wrestling that I've listed off, and by the time we get to that list, I'm, I'm worried I'm going to have added like several more angles. But anyway, probably the top piece of news, of spoiler-free news, 
that took place this week has to do with Kota Ibushi and New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, as we talked about last week, I just have so much sympathy for what New Japan Pro Wrestling has had to deal with during the pandemic. No professional wrestling or no major professional wrestling organization um, has had to deal with as much as New Japan has. And it, it, it just seems like they can't catch a break anywhere. And so Kota Ibushi, who was supposed to wrestle Shingo Takagi at Wrestle Grand Slam this weekend, he's now been taken off a bunch of shows. If you remember, he had been taken off some shows. They announced that he'd had uh, some side effects from the, the COVID-19 vaccine. That's been determined to have not been what caused his illness. He's been diagnosed with aspiration pneumonia. And New Japan Pro Wrestling put out a little update saying this isn't to do with the COVID vaccine. He's tested negative for the virus itself. But he, he's he been taken off the shows, and he was supposed to main event against Shingo Takagi in the Tokyo Dome at Wrestle Grand Slam on the 25th. Now, they haven't officially pulled him from that match, but you gotta wonder if he's not okay to wrestle at all for the week leading up to it. How is he gonna do a big main event with Shingo Takagi? Now, there is a bit of an update on this story. Hiroshi Tanahashi has volunteered to take Kota Ibushi's place in the match, so perhaps we're gonna see that. But unfortunately, there's really no other updates to, to give here. A few days ago, New Japan Pro Wrestling announced that Kota Ibushi was off the, the show's building to Wrestle Grand Slam, but they didn't announce that he was off, off Wrestle Grand Slam itself. But now, it's, it's looking like Hiroshi Tanahashi might take his place. We're just going to have to wait and see what happens at Wrestle Grand Slam. Some of you listening to this will are listening to this after Wrestle Grand Slam and probably already know. But there is a lot of uncertainty regarding the main event of New Japan Pro Wrestling's event in the Tokyo Dome tomorrow. So hopefully that gets resolved. Also going on in wrestling news this week, just going to quickly kind of go over some, some little news bits that came out. Thunder Rosa is officially signed to All Elite Wrestling now, and you might be thinking to yourself, what? She's been on AEW forever now. She wasn't signed? Well, technically, she was under contract to the National Wrestling Alliance, uh, and they were loaning her out to AEW. So it's very similar to, you know, Brian Pillman Jr. was under contract to MLW, but he was allowed to work the AEW dates, and they just sort of, he just sort of did both until his contract was up. This was Thunder Rosa was actually still under contract for a little while, but there was some behind-the-scenes negotiating, I guess, between AEW and NWA that allowed Thunder Rosa to sign a full-time contract with AEW. That's good for them because, you know, they don't want to worry about Thunder Rosa not being able to perform some week because she's got to go attend NWA tapings. So what this does is allows... It allows AEW a, a little easier time to be able to, to schedule Thunder Rosa. So NWA put out a tweet saying that Thunder Rosa will always be NWA fam. Uh, and, you know, basically saying, hey, hey, kind of, we're, we're happy for her sort of thing. 
But of course, with the relationship between NWA and AEW, we could see Thunder Rosa possibly going back to the NWA at some point. That does not seem outside of the the realm of possibility at all. Thunder Rosa, of course, uh, she's wrestled for a lot of different promotions lately. She showed up to Slammiversary on Saturday night last week, and she wrestled Deanna Perrazzo, with Perrazzo coming out the victor there. And uh, later, Mickey James would invite Deanna Perrazzo to come appear on the NWA Empower show in St. Louis at the, en- at the end of the month. And I wonder if Thunder Rose is possibly going to be on that show. Or if maybe that show conflicted with something else AEW wanted to do, and so they wanted to make sure that she was locked in. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see if Thunder Rosa ends up on the NWA Empower pay-per-view. Also, as it concerns AEW contracts, Jake Roberts was on Diamond Dallas Page's YouTube channel this week and announced that he has signed a two-year extension with All Elite Wrestling. He'd mentioned that his first contract was just for a couple of months. It was like a 10-week contract. And uh, then he signed a longer one, and finally now he's signed a two-year deal. And it was sort of a a big week for, for Jake Roberts' man, uh, Lance Archer, who defeated John Moxley. One, a rare loss for John Moxley. A rare loss for John Moxley in AEW, coming to Lance Archer in a Texas death match held in Texas. Lance Archer avenges his loss to John Moxley previously in a Texas death match held in the Tokyo Dome. And I, I really liked how they did the ending from that match to Archer kind of, was it like a crucifix bomb throwing John Moxley into the barbed wire tables and then Moxley was stuck. The barbed wire trapped him so that he couldn't get up and meet the referee's 10 count. And now Lance Archer is your IWGP United States champion. Also concerning... People signing contracts. The former Aiden English, now known as Drama King Matt, he had a big week. First, he was announced as being on the English commentary team for the New Japan Pro Wrestling Resurgence show on August 14th. And also on at Slammiversary, and again on Impact's weekly television show this week, there was a little vignette announcing that Drama King, the Drama King, is coming to Impact Wrestling, and uh, he's been tweeting out that he's sort of excited to for, for both opportunities. There was a bunch of stuff that happened on WWE, excuse me, Monday Night Raw, that, that are fairly newsworthy. One is that Keith Lee returned. Keith Lee made his long-awaited return to the main roster. He's been gone for quite a while. So he returns out of the blue, and he gets defeated by Bobby Lashley. So we'll see what the the rest of Keith Lee's return looks like, but he picks up a loss in his return. Also picking up a loss in a fairly key match this week was Karrion Cross. My goodness. So the undefeated NXT champion never lost a match in NXT. This is the NXT champion. They're building a huge match coming up between Karrion Cross. Well, it looks like it anyway. Karrion Cross and Samoa Joe. And this guy 
in like a minute 30, gets rolled up, and then Jeff Hardy puts his feet on the ropes and pins him. Karrion Cross loses his main roster debut in like 90 seconds. But it's one of those things where it's like, it's not like he was beat, you know? It's not like he he was proven to be inferior. Jeff Hardy cheated. Jeff Hardy put his feet on the ropes. Jeff Hardy got a cheap victory that in that kind of should be is seen by many fans as like, okay, well, he won, but it was a cheap win. He shouldn't have won. The referee should have seen that Jeff Hardy's feet were on the ropes. Karrion Cross didn't uh you know, it's not like Jeff Hardy gave him the the twist of fate and a senton and just beat him by using wrestling moves. This was a case of of Jeff Hardy got one up on Karrion Cross. And now we have to see how Karrion Cross responds. He said later that that was the worst mistake that Jeff Jeff Hardy had ever made. Anyway, everybody's losing their mind over the fact that Karrion Cross lost his main roster debut. And it is a little strange that he lost his main roster debut. It it seems a little uh it seems a little out there that he would just lose like that right off the bat. But now is the angle going to be that Karrion Cross is so enraged that Jeff Hardy embarrassed him on his raw debut that we're going to see what Karrion Cross can really do when he's angry. We're going to see like what kind of revenge can Karrion Cross put on Jeff Hardy for giving him that embarrassment. And then how does this all play into the fact that Karrion Cross is in the biggest storyline in NXT? He's the NXT champion. So is, is he going to be doing this storyline with Jeff Hardy on Raw while doing the same, the same NXT champion run in NXT? I, I don't know. This is a strange time for Karrion Cross. Also this week, Tony Storm made her main roster debut, but she won her match, so it, it doesn't seem as newsworthy. But anyway, she beat Zelina Vega in a uh, kind of a fun match. The ending of the match came. Zelina Vega ended up taking off Tony Storm's belt, then getting distracted by having done that. And then Tony Storm hits Storm 1 for the victory, and you wonder what the ceiling is. For, for Tony Storm on the main roster. So she's going to be part of the SmackDown brand. And Bianca Belair needs some challengers. What with both Sasha Banks and Bailey gone. So we'll see exactly what Tony Storm can do now that she's on the WWE main roster. So those were the main news bits for the week. The main spoiler-free wrestling news bits for the week. Now, I really do think it's a good time to talk about what are some of the, the top angles in professional wrestling right now. And it does feel like a lot of promotions are really going all out with angles, storylines, wrestlers coming back, new matches, that kind of thing, because they're going back out on the road. They got to get these fans out into the arenas. They got to do something to get people talking, to get people to buy tickets. And there's a lot of things going on in wrestling right now that I think are worthy of talking about. So I put together 14 angles in professional wrestling that I feel are worth talking about. These are presented 
in no particular order other than they are the order that I came up with them in. But this isn't ranked in like, this is the most important, and the last one we talk about is the least important. Nothing like that. These are just 14 newsworthy angles going on in professional wrestling right now. But the first one I want to talk about happened at the very end of Slammiversary this week. Slammiversary, of course, I mean, it's, it's Impact's biggest night of the year. But for the last two years, it's really become sort of this pay-per-view that's built around the idea of who can show up. Last year, it, the Slammiversary pay-per-view came 90 days, or like more than 90 days, after WWE had cut a ton of people as part of their post-WrestleMania roster cuts. Though Those cuts, especially because it was at the onset of the pandemic, there was way more people cut in the spring of 2020 than they normally do after WrestleMania. And in fact, for, for a few years there, they WWE wasn't cutting a lot of people even after WrestleMania. They'd kind of been holding on to everybody for a while. Now they've sort of gone back to, okay, we're, we're going to do some roster cuts every WrestleMania. So, so this year's, this year's Slammiversary didn't, we didn't see too many. Well, we saw one, but we didn't see too many or, well, we saw a few. Anyway, um, of the wrestlers who were cut by WWE this year, we only saw Chelsea Green return to Impact Wrestling. I think most people assumed that was going to happen. She teamed with Matt Cardona. They defeated Tennille Dashwood and Brian Myers. But the real big surprise came at the end of Slammiversary. So Kenny Omega and Sammy Callahan just had a really fun, hardcore match. Kenny Omega comes away the victor. He's celebrating in the ring with Don Callis and the Good Brothers when the Bullet Club music hits. Screw me. Bullet Club music hits. Out comes Switchblade Jay White. And this is really interesting, considering it's sort of the present and past of Bullet Club, right? Carl Anderson, and well, Carl Anderson is one of the four founding members of Bullet Club. Doc Gallows came in a few months later. Kenny Omega, well, first he came in as a junior heavyweight, and then after AJ Styles left, he became sort of the leader of the group. So you had Prince Devitt was the leader, and then he left, and then AJ Styles came in, and then he left, and then Kenny Omega kind of assumed that role. And then when Kenny Omega and the Elite left, that's when Jay White, like Jay White originally was in chaos. Kenny Omega had offered Jay White a spot in Bullet Club. Jay White turned him down and joined chaos. Then later he'd leave chaos and join Bullet Club. So Slammiversary ends with the Good Brothers, Don Callis and Kenny Omega putting up the two sweet sign and we don't know if Jay White is going to reciprocate. The, the show goes off the air. And it kind of went off the air weird where you're like, I don't know if this show is supposed to go off the air when it did. Apparently, from what's being said, it did. That's what they wanted to happen. Impact would release the footage of what happened after Slammiversary went off the air later in the week. And it basically showed Finn Juice, so David Finley and Juice Robinson, they run in, they chase everybody away, but while they're not paying attention, Jay White sneaks back into the ring and gives David Finley the flatliner. And then Jay White gets out of there. 
and Jay White and David Finley are going to meet for the Never Openweight title at New Japan's Resurgence pay-per-view on August 14th. That match is coming about because David Finley defeated Jay White in the quarterfinals of the New Japan Cup back in March. So, David Finley, you know, runs out. Jay White gives him the, the flatliner. Then we go to Impact Television this week. And Impact Television this week, like, it was really good. This segment with Jay White and Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers and Don Callis, if you don't watch Impact Wrestling or you're not following it, you might want to just check in for this segment. Because this felt important. Like, this... I like Impact Wrestling, but it's a smaller promotion. Less people watch it. Even when they have fans, it feels like an empty arena sometimes. Well, I mean, it, you know, even having a couple of hundreds better than having none. But a lot of times, like, Impact can feel like, all right, well, this isn't important. It doesn't feel major league compared to the other stuff. But when Kenny Omega is on the screen, like, Kenny Omega's major league. The Good Brothers are Major League, and Jay White is Major League. So this segment felt very important. And, and I think if you don't watch Impact, you, you might want to just consider giving giving this segment uh, a watch. So basically, Jay White said he's not letting Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows back in Bullet Club. Said, said he's in Impact Wrestling for David Finley. He said that David Finley can't hide from Jay White in Impact. He's going to show up in Impact too. This brings out the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega. And they and Don Callis says, "Oh, you're you're like Bullet Club 3.0, or you're you know you're just the the new kids on the block. Like what what the old school Bullet Club, the one with Kenny Omega and Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson or Prince Devitt or what they." built the brand of Bullet Club, and you're just there now reaping in the rewards of that. And then Carl Anderson, Doc Gallows, they walk down to the ring basically saying, like, you owe us a thank you. We're the reason that Bullet Club's as successful as it is. Jay, Jay White continues to assault them, or insult them. This leads to a melee between them. The Good Brothers have the two-on-one advantage, but Chris Bay who we saw Jay White talking to in the back earlier and offering a spot to him in Bullet Club. Chris Bay comes out to make the save for Jay White. And now next week, we've got Jay White and Chris Bay going up against the Good Brothers. So we've got the Bullet Club Civil War. And I thought this was cool because after the Elite formed in AEW and Impact, we heard from like the Jay Whites and the Tomatonga saying like, oh, these guys aren't real Bullet Club. We're the real Bullet Club. But now we get to see real Bullet Club versus the former Bullet Club, now the elite. And, you know, that that's an angle that's been going on in wrestling for years now that maybe we don't ever get to see take place in the ring too much, the elite versus Bullet Club. But now we're going to get a little bit of it in Impact Wrestling. Who, who knows where else and what other promotion we might see the Elite versus Bullet Club, but we're definitely at least getting it in Impact Wrestling. So Jay White in Impact, that's definitely one of the top angles in wrestling right now. Definitely something worth talking about. That's angle number one. Storyline number two in professional wrestling that I feel is worth talking about, and that's as Lance Art and that's Lance Archer as the new IWGP United States Champion. 
He defeated John Moxley this week. And now next week, Lance Archer is going to defend that same title against Hikaleo. And I figure what's happening here is all of this, because remember we had uh, Moxley defeated Carl Anderson last week. Now he lost to Lance Archer this week, and now Lance Archer is going to take on Hikaleo next week. So that's three weeks in a row that we've had the IWGP United States Championship defended on Dynamite. I think this is all leading, again, to the New Japan Resurgence show, where that title is going to be defended. Lance Archer is going to defend that title against somebody. But who's it going to be? Could it be, are we going to get the rubber match, maybe, between John Moxley and Lance Archer? Lance Archer's got to get by Hikaleo first. So we'll see where that goes. But I think the IWGP United States title being defended three weeks in a row on Dynamite, leading to NJPW Resurgence, that's an angle, that's a storyline in wrestling that's worth talking about right now. So that's angle number two in wrestling that's worth talking about. Angle number three in wrestling that's worth talking about right now is the five labors of Jericho. So we got the first labor of Chris Jericho this week. And... It was simply Chris Jericho was facing Sean Spears, but there was a stipulation in the match where Sean Spears was able to use a steel chair, but Jericho was not able to use a steel chair. But the valiant hero Chris Jericho persevered, and he passed the first labor of Jericho. If you're not sure what the five labors of Jericho is, basically MJF told Jericho he's got to pass through these five tests, and only then will he be able to get another singles match against him? But then Maxwell Jacob Friedman came out and announced what the second labor of Jericho will be. And he, this was really interesting. I couldn't believe this. When he started talking about the guy, and I realized, like, oh my God, he's talking about Nick Gage. Is Nick Gage really going to come out here? Yes. Yes, Nick Gage versus Chris Jericho next week in a hardcore match. If you're not familiar with Nick Gage, he is a hardcore deathmatch wrestler. He's the GCW champion, and he is the focus of a Dark Side of the Ring episode that was just on him this season. And that's who Chris Jericho is going to face next week. And Chris Jericho would come out later and say, oh, well, He's not going to face regular old Chris Jericho next week. He's going to face the pain maker Chris Jericho, which is Jericho's character that he, he basically does um, when he's in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So the five labors of Jericho, that's the third storyline worth talking about in professional wrestling this week. The first few are kind of all from AEW. The fourth angle in professional wrestling right now that's worth talking about is Hangman Page and the Dark Order versus Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. So, here's where this storyline sits right now. Next week on Dynamite at Fight for the Fallen, Hangman Page and the, and the Dark Order will face Kenny Omega, the Good Brothers, and the Young Bucks in a 10-man elimination tag team match. An old-school Survivor Series tag match, if you will. But the stipulation is... If Paige and the Dark Order win, then Paige gets a title shot against Kenny Omega 
uh, for the AEW World Championship. However, if the Elite defeat Page in the Dark Order, then Page is not able to challenge for the AEW World Championship. However, I don't think this was... I wasn't really said, but this is sort of me speculating. I don't think they were saying that if the Elite beat the Dark Order, that Hangman Page can never challenge for the AEW World Championship again. Kind of the same stipulation that Cody has. My understanding, and this could totally be wrong, but my understanding is that Page would not be able to challenge for the title again while Omega is champion. That is a little easier uh, to kind of get behind storyline-wise than the idea that somebody might never be able to challenge for the world championship again. So this could be a case that if Page and the Dark Order win, then, then we've set up the next big AEW world championship match, Page versus Kenny Omega. Like, I'll... All right, you know, we need a main event for All Out. That seems like it could be a, a fairly decent All Out. On the other hand, if the Elite defeat Page in the Dark Order in this match, then Page is not able to challenge Omega for the title while he's still champion. So that that kind of allows Page to continue winning matches and beating top opponents, but not be put in a position where he'd be challenging Omega for the title again. So I, I really think either of those results is possible. And that match will take place at Fight for the Fallen next week. So Hangman Page and Kenny Omega is the fourth angle in wrestling that's worth talking about right now. Going to the fifth angle in professional wrestling that's worth talking about right now. Malachi Black and Cody Rhodes. So they, they announced that we're finally going to get this, or finally, we're, we're going to get this match next week at Fight for the Fallen. And this come, they've done two segments. Malachi Black, I don't think either Black or Cody Rhodes was on the show this week, but uh, Malachi Black and Cody Rhodes. So it started with Cody and Arn, and, or Arn Anderson was cutting a promo about what we'll never know. Then the lights went out. Malachi Black is there. He kicks... Arn Anderson in the head, then he kicks Cody in the head. Come back the next week. Cody gets all angry after seeing video replay of Malachi Black kicking Arn Anderson in the head. He calls out Black. They end up having a, a just sort of a brawl. And now we're finally going to see the two wrestle Malachi Black's first match in AEW. Malachi Black and Cody Rhodes. That's an angle in professional wrestling that's worth talking about right now. Also, in AEW, we're just going to stick with the AEW ones until I run out of them. Uh, we got another match for next week, FTR versus Santana and Ortiz. And this is sort of, this is part of the Pinnacle versus Inner Circle feud. But they had a press conference this week. And they have been building up this idea that FTR is saying like, Oh, wow, we, we grew up poor. We, we, we had the same problems that you did growing up, and Santana and Ortiz get really offended by this, saying, like, no, you didn't grow up like we grew up. And So they had a intense press conference this week, and we're finally going to get those two tag teams clashing next week. And that should be interesting, because that's a big match. That's a big match for two teams. I mean, one team, our former AEW tag team champions, want to get back in the mix. Santana and Ortiz, I mean, they've been in AEW since the very beginning. You know they would, at some point, like to have those belts wrapped around their waist. They need to pick up some big wins to put themselves back in title contention. 
So FDR versus Santana and Ortiz is definitely a storyline in professional wrestling worth paying attention to. Finally, the last AEW storyline. And look, I know there's lots of storylines that I'm missing out here. Uh, you know, Britt Baker's obviously killing it right now. But she just kind of finished the storyline with Nyla Rose. I don't think that is really kind of going anywhere else right now. Um, so that's why kind of her storyline here isn't mentioned. But the last AEW storyline uh, that I, I that has made this list anyway is Brian Cage and Team Taz. We saw there Ricky Starks defeated Cage and won the FTW championship. But but what's I, I don't think Brian Cage is just going to let this go. Brian Cage is going to want some revenge on Team Taz now that he's officially no longer a member of Team Taz. So we've, so we've yet to see Brian Cage in the ring now as, you know, now as an independent wrestler without a stable behind him. And so we're going to see what babyface Brian Cage can do in a rivalry against Team Taz, you know? Are we going to see another match between him and Ricky Starks? Are we going to see him and Will Hobbs go at it? Are we going to see other members added to Team Taz and then Brian Cage can feud with them? I think Brian Cage versus Team Taz is a very interesting storyline going on in professional wrestling right now. There are two, two storylines in NXT that I think are worth talking about right now. The first is Karrion Cross and Samoa Joe. I think that's a very interesting angle. So basically Samoa Joe, after he gets released from the main roster, he gets signed by NXT, and they announce that he is going to be William Regal's enforcer. William Regal tells him, you can only get involved if someone lays their hand on you. But I mean, the main focus of the Karrion Cross versus Jar Johnny Gargano match recently was the tension building between Cross and Samoa Joe. So the real question now is, do we get that match? Because Samoa Joe hasn't wrestled since February 2020. We don't even know if he's if he's clear. I mean, definitely the way they brought him in, the way they introduced him to NXT, it didn't seem like he was going to be wrestling guys. It just seemed like he was going to be enforce an enforcer and he'd occasionally choke guys out. But Samoa Joe is like the biggest part of that show right now. So do we get Samoa Joe versus Karrion Cross? And what happens in that match if we do? That it's definitely a rivalry they're building up. So we'll see if if William Regal allows Samoa Joe to get in there and compete. The other storyline in NXT, and I know there's other storylines in NXT that are fun, but these are the top two that I thought were, were interesting enough to talk about. L.A. Knight as the Million Dollar Champion, and he's got Cameron Grimes doing all this butler work and cleaning out his pool. And these are sort of, I mean, you knew as soon as L.A. Knight defeated Cameron Grimes with the stipulation being that Grimes now has to be his butler, you knew things were going to get a little weird or a little hokey, like a little silly. And they are definitely a little hokey and a little silly. But Cameron Grimes has got to be one of the most entertaining guys in wrestling right now. So anytime he's on the screen, I think it's worth watching. But anyway, those are the two 
NXT so- storylines that I think are worth talking about right now. And that leaves us with just WWE angles that I think are worthy of talking about right now. And we'll start with Nikki Ash winning the Raw Women's Championship this week. And that, so she wins the Money in the Bank ladder match. It was one of these things where the finish of the women's Money in the Bank ladder match was all of the other women in the match are brawling on top of the the ladders. And then Nikki just kind of swoops in and grabs the briefcase. So much like Jeff Hardy beating Karrion Cross, it wasn't that Nikki was a better wrestler than the other wrestlers in the match. She just climbed to the brief climbed to the top of the ladder and got the briefcase. Sometimes winning a ladder match doesn't mean you're the best wrestler. And certainly cashing in the money in the bank and pinning a, a prone opponent, someone who's been injured by Rhea Ripley, that doesn't mean you're the best wrestler in the division, but it does make you the champ. And Nikki Ash is now the Raw Women's Champion. And I like that the women's title have gotten to the point where winning them is an accomplishment. Because that didn't always used to be the case. There was a time in women's wrestling where there were so few women on the roster that if you were on the roster at all, you would eventually get a turn with the title. Didn't matter how good you were. There's just so many... There are just so many wastes that those belts could go around that if you were around for long enough, it was going to be put around yours. But that's no longer the case. Now you have to be the one of the best women's wrestlers on the roster to have that belt wrapped around uh, your waist, you know? It's it's not... it. Women's titles in WWE are no longer their part, the participation trophies that they used to be. You have to be good. So when Nikki Ash won the Raw women's title, it felt like a real accomplishment. And I think it was a real accomplishment. Like, in her mind, I'm, I'm sure it is validation that she's doing great. And she has been doing great. Who doesn't like Nikki? Certainly there was such an outpouring of support for Nikki Cross after she she won from people on the WWE roster or people who have been on the roster with her uh, but are now no longer with WWE. So many people were talking about what a wonderful person this is and how happy they were for her. And that's great. Now, Nikki Ash, as, as the Raw Women's Champion, it, it's really playing into the feud between Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. So I wonder if we're going to get maybe like a triple threat match at SummerSlam, Nikki versus Rhea versus Charlotte. We'll just have to wait and see. But that, those are the three women you've got at the very top of the Raw Women's Division. So maybe we're going to see all three of them clash. Maybe we'll see Nikki versus Charlotte Flair. In a one-on-one match, maybe we'll see Nikki versus Rhea Ripley in a one-on-one match. But you've got this position now where Ripley deserves a rematch. Because Ripley defeated Flair on Raw technically by disqualification. So you lose by disqualification, you get another match, right? Especially in a title match where the only reason the champion retained is because of the disqualification, even though they lost. So Ripley's owed another title match. Charlotte Flair only lost the title uh, due to a Money in the Bank cash-in. So definitely she feels like she's owed a title match. So you got two contenders that are owed title matches. 
and one new champion. To me, it feels like a triple threat is coming, but that's just speculation. But still, Nikki Ash, almost a superhero as Raw Women's Champion, is definitely a storyline in WWE worth talking about. Again, these are being presented in no particular order. John Cena returning and challenging Roman Reigns is definitely a storyline worth talking about. Now, I, I, I kind of know what happened on SmackDown last night, but I didn't really see it. But basically, Cena came out at the end of Money in the Bank. Then he popped up again on Raw and basically said that he's there to kind of knock Roman Reigns down a peg. So it seems like we're really going to get a John Cena versus Roman Reigns match, although I'm just reading that Reigns has apparently turned down John Cena's request for a match. I, I will just have to I'll see it play out. But John Cena's return was something that probably, like if you follow non-spoiler-free wrestling news that you would have had spoiled for you, uh, I always love, like, like kids. Kids never have anything spoiled to them because they're, they're not online reading the dirt sheets. So there are all these reaction videos of kids freaking out over John Cena's return. And I love that about wrestling. I, like, I love the surprise in wrestling. The unexpected return. The, you know, just these moments where wrestling will give you something unexpected and it's amazing. And I just think following spoiler-filled dirt sheet wrestling news takes that away from wrestling. And so watching these kids react in an, in an organic manner to John Cena returning with them genuinely having no idea that it was going to happen, I thought that was really cool. And so Cena back. Cena's now going on tour. They Like, he's going to be at all the... The live shows, they're really trying to use John Cena as a way to drive ticket sales to, to these house shows that they're doing. Also, as it concerns WWE storylines that are worth talking about and big legends coming back, Goldberg returned to the WWE universe on Raw. He confronted Bobby Lashley. And man, Bobby Lashley just destroyed Kofi Kingston at Money in the Bank. And I remember after Brock Lesnar just destroyed Kofi Kingston to take the WWE Championship off him in like five seconds. All of these fans who were big supporters of Kofi during Kofi Mania, they felt very insulted by that, right? Like, you just destroyed this guy who had been like, you know, our feel-good story for months and months and months. And so there was a strong negative reaction to that from some people. But in WWE's mind, they're like, Brock Lesnar is worth a ton of money. Kofi Kingston isn't. Never mind how many t-shirts New Day sells, apparently. Um, so then at Money in the Bank, Kofi Kingston is finally getting a WWE Championship match. Because remember, he didn't get his rematch for like the longest time. So Kofi Kingston finally with a chance to win the WWE title again, and he just gets squashed. Just destroyed by Bobby Lashley. And I thought like, well, if you thought that negative feedback about the Brock Lesnar match reached the higher-ups in WWE, think again. Because they just did the same 
same move. <laughs> like everybody that was a big Kofi Kingston fan who had their heart broken by how that Brock Lesnar match went, oh, they just had that moment shoved back in their faces during Bobby Lashley versus Kofi Kingston. But in their minds, Bobby Lashley is worth a lot of money. This Bobby Lashley versus Goldberg match is going to be big-time stuff, so we're going to have Bobby Lashley look like a million bucks and destroy Kofi Kingston, which is exactly what he did. Then Goldberg confronts him on Monday, says he's next, and so we're going to get Lashley versus Goldberg, likely at SummerSlam, but nothing official at this point. And as it concerns New Day, while there was very bad news for New Day at Money in the Bank with Kofi Kingston not only not winning the WWE Championship, but getting destroyed in the process, at least Big E might be now moving into a position where he could someday be the WWE or Universal Champion. And that feels like a long time coming. Like, when you look at New Day, and obviously Kofi Kingston, uh, sentimental favorite for so many people, and, you know, this is a guy who had grinded and grinded and worked his way um, through the WWE, and the fans just got behind him and said, we want this guy as a main event guy. We're demanding it from the WWE universe. But Big E feels like he's the guy that WWE would much rather be in that position than Kofi. Which is fine, great. Have Big E in that position. But like Big E is a guy who you think could be on that next level. Like he could be the next main event star. He could be at Drew McIntyre's level. There's no reason Big E couldn't get the same type of push that Drew McIntyre has been getting. And he wins the money in the bank, which means he's in a very good position to end up a world champion in WWE in the next 12 months. So this is a very important time in the career of Big E. He's gone... When did New Day break up? October? So it's been less than a year. He's been sort of getting his feet under him as a single star. But this guy's entertaining. This guy can wrestle. This guy looks like a million bucks. Big E is a big-time star waiting to happen. And it looks like we might not have to wait that much longer. But the last storyline going on in wrestling that I feel is worth talking about right now, I'm sort of sorry that, sorry that I left it to, to the end because it's definitely not the most important. But I get a huge kick out of Matt Riddle and Randy Orton, RK Bro. Now, Orton's been gone for a few weeks. Orton's been gone for a little while. And so you would think that that would sort of dampen the storyline a little bit, but Matt Riddle keeps the storyline alive by, like, dedicating things to Matt Riddle or, or to Randy Orton, but then pointing up at the sky as if Orton's dead, but he's not dead, and it's just a, a thing that... Riddle is comically misunderstanding. And I don't know. There's something about Matt Riddle and Randy Orton. I watch every second of this storyline because I think Riddle is really entertaining. I think Randy Orton's one of the best wrestlers of a generation. And I think this whole storyline is coming together really well. And I think this is going to propel Matt Riddle to, to a, a spot at the very upper echelon in WWE, which is fantastic. 
And those are 14 storylines going on in professional wrestling that I feel are worth talking about right now. All right, and just before we go again for this week, let's run down what's coming up next week in the world of professional wrestling. And we'll start off with WWE Raw. July 26th, they're in the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City, Missouri. The only thing announced so far is AJ Styles and Omos will defend the Raw Tag Team Championships against the Viking Raiders. Also, they've announced that John Cena will be on that show. So John Cena is not, he is not, he doesn't have to adhere to any brand split. He's going to be on Raw and SmackDown. John Cena equals increased ticket sales for WWE. So John Cena, he's going to be there in the T-Bombell Center in Kansas City, Missouri. But also we got the Raw Tag Team Championships on the line. So that, 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 that's, that's all really that's scheduled for WWE coming up. Uh, for NXT on Tuesday, they've got five matches scheduled. Timothy Thatcher and Tomasa Ciampa are going to go up against Oni Lorcan and Pete Dunne. They both did some, some promos for that match this week. In the NXT breakout tournament, we've got Josh Briggs going against Carmelo Hayes. We've got the new Robert Stone brand as Frankie Monet and Jesse Kamei are going to team up to go against Casey Catanzaro and Caden Carter. Imperium Fabian Eichner and Marcel Barthel will go up against Hit Row. Um, that's cool. So we're seeing some of the other guys in, in Hit Row get in the ring. Seems like we've, we've really only seen Swerve. Um, so, so we're going to see more members of Hit Row get in there. But remember, they are in that feud with Legato Del Fantasma. Oh, that storyline didn't make my top 14. Well, it's still getting going. It's still forming. So we'll see. Uh, also, Adam Cole versus Bronson Reed will take place on NXT this week. Then we go to Wednesday night, and we've got Fight for the Fallen. We've got five matches scheduled for this big event from Bojangles Coliseum in Charlotte, North Carolina. Christian Cage is going to team up with Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus to go up against the Hardy Family Offices and Helico and Private Party. And this stems from the Hardy Family Office assaulting and injuring one Marco Stunt. We've got the second of five labors of Jericho. This one will be a no disqualification match as Chris Jericho will take on Nick Gage. I still can't believe that is happening. FDR is going to take on Ortiz and Santana, as we talked about earlier. Also, as we talked about earlier, Lance Archer will defend the IWGP United States Championship against Hikaleo. And so expecting some... Storyline development, which will lead to something to do with New Japan Pro Wrestling's Resurgence show on August 14th. And we've got a very pivotal 10-man elimination tag team match pitting Adam Page and the Dark Order against Kenny Omega and the rest of the Elite at Fight for the Fallen. Very, very big show on Wednesday for AEW Dynamite. We'll see if they continue to rise up in the rankings as well. Then, finally, on Thursday, Impact Wrestling will be back on the air. They've announced four matches. Uh, Steve Macklin will take on Trey Miguel on the Before the Impact show. Moose and Chris Sabin, who uh, Chris Sabin defeated Moose at Slammiversary. They will have a rematch in the main event this week. Cody Diener and Rhino from Violent by Design will team up to go up against Willie Mack and Rich Swan in a match that could uh, potentially lead... Well, have 
It'll have something to do with the tag team rankings. Of course, the Good Brothers, once again, the Impact Wrestling Tag Team Champions. And the Good Brothers will take on Jay White and Chris Bay in a Bullet Club Civil War Bullet Club versus the Elite match on Impact Wrestling this week. And I got nothing in front of me for matches announced for SmackDown this week, but I haven't really looked at SmackDown. So anyway, those are the matches from Monday through Thursday coming up this week. And with that, you are once again completely up to date on everything that's making headlines in the world of professional wrestling, minus anything that could potentially spoil shows for you in the future. I'm your host, Gentleman Ian, and thanks once again, everybody, for supporting this podcast and the website, SpoilerFreeWrestling.com. I will talk to you again next week.